This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, our final 30 of the day, and then we will be back with you tomorrow. The 35-day-long partial government shutdown left 800,000 workers either on furlough or working without pay. It also impacted nearly 10,000 companies that contract with the departments that were shut down. Many people picked up other jobs during the closure, and others were moved from government contracts to working in the private sector. What we don't know yet is whether these people will return to their jobs or whether There will be an exodus from the public sector, particularly as uh, President Trump is still warning of a potential another shutdown in just a a couple of weeks. Paul Light is a professor of public service at NYU. He's also founding principal investor in the Global Center for Public Service. He joins us on the phone right now, as does Bill Resch, who is an associate professor in the School of Public Policy at the University of Southern California. Paul, Bill, thank you both for your time today. Delighted to be here. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. So the 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 million dollar question, Bill, I'll start with you is do shutdowns like these and obviously this one a little bit different because of its length, but do shutdowns like these have an impact on people wanting to to have a government job? Well, the short answer is that we don't know. Um the longer answer would be a lot of supposition, but uh I'm 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 comfortable supposing that, yes, in fact, it would have uh, quite a substantial impact. If we look at our current uh, federal service, we're looking at about 50% or more of our senior executive service that are eligible for retirement. And then we look at uh, strategic human capital planning uh, across agencies, which has been at the top of the high-risk list uh, produced by GAO every year. Uh, since 2001. And while we've made a bit of progress, there are still substantial skills gaps uh, that are evident in especially STEM, namely in IT professions, but also in things like auditing for contract management, for instance. Uh, And so uh, the short answer is yes, I I think there is um, going to be a substantial impact. The problem is is that we don't have enough research to legitimize that viewpoint uh, other than leading to some uh, supposition. Paul, your thoughts? Uh, Bill's right on, on this. We, we don't have a lot of deep data on this. Uh, uh, we should also note that personnel offices in the federal government are on the high-risk list uh, for skill gaps. Uh, we need people in many of the uh, key professions uh, in the federal government, and this exposes the vulnerability. Now, one thing that we did notice last year was an increase in retirements um, from older federal employees. You know, the federal government is older on average uh, than the private sector, and there are a lot of baby boomers who work for the federal government who are getting to that age, whether they actually consider where, when they actually consider retiring. My hunch, and it's just a hunch, is that we're going to see uh, continued increases in the number of baby boomers getting uh, ready uh, to leave and actually retiring. Uh, that is both a good thing and a hazardous thing. It's time for the baby boomers to move on. 
they need to uh, open up space for the millennials and eventually the Gen Zs. Uh, the question really, and, and Bill gets to it and you get to it as well, is whether they're going to get the kind of recruits at the front end of career uh, that we're looking for. This was not a good signal to send the shutdown. Uh, it was not a good signal uh, when you're in the middle of the recruiting season, December, January, uh, February, uh, college graduates thinking about where they might go. So I worry that, A, we're going to see a push out by baby boomers, and it's perfectly uh, to be expected. But we're going to have trouble on the front end. And I, I wonder how the federal government is going to make the case that this is the kind of career you want. That's supposition, but it's it's a worry for sure. Well, and, and Paul, also part of it is if you go back to the recession, the fact that, uh, you know, government roles were pared down. And there really hasn't been, when you look at the month-to-month uh, labor department reports, there hasn't been a real focus on wanting to add a lot of labor numbers to the government roles. Right. Right, exactly. So, Dan, uh, two things. Uh, first, to jump off of Paul's uh, point, yeah, uh, the attraction to government service is severely diminished, I believe, uh, from this. If you think about the various motivations that people bring into working for government to begin with, especially at the higher ranks or at the higher skill levels, um, the competition with the private sector market is just it, they they're non-competitive right. uh, from a bottom line stance. However, they do offer benefits uh, such as job stability, right? Such as uh, the ability to see through a mission, uh, the mission orientation of, of of a given individual towards towards the program in which they might uh, be looking for a job. And then also the, just the, the notion that they would like to serve their government. These types of motivations uh, are undermined by this type of instability that's brought about by shutdowns. And then uh, secondly, in terms of hires and new hires, he's absolutely right. We can't find um, within our current generation the type of talent that's necessary to fill these gaps. Uh, if if we're going to see substantial uh, yeah uh, exit uh, from those that have the the skill sets necessary, your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at bizradio one thirty two or my Twitter account, which is at dan loney l o n e y twenty one. Paul Light from NYU, Bill Resch from the University of Southern California, joining us on the phone right now. I I, I wonder, Bill, and there's a, a little bit more conversation about this right now going on in Congress about the idea of trying to pass a bill that would prevent shutdowns from occurring and and the potential impact that that could have on this entire process. Well, I think it would uh, certainly um, support the one motivation that I was talking about in terms of job stability. If, uh, you know, the credible commitment uh, in terms of if you look at the relationship between federal workers and the political classes, you know, it's it's a contract in some respects, and, and that's based off of some credible commitment. Uh, the worry has always been by the political class, oh, how will bureaucrats shirk their responsibilities? But we've seen increasingly more over the last 20, 30 years and, uh, as a function of our gridlock and polarization, a lack of credible commitment from the political class versus uh, versus the bureaucratic class. And so if there is a way, um, uh, I think there was a column just recently 
from a gentleman at American University who uh, talked about the possibility of having an automatic continuing resolution mm -hmm. in the face of uh, disagreement between Congress and the president if they're not able to agree on a budget. Paul, your thoughts? Well, uncertainty is a major hazard in the federal government, and uh, the shutdown, the normalization uh, of shutdowns as a bargaining tactic over the last uh, 10 to 15 years is a bad thing for running any enterprise. I think uh, we're now looking at a federal government that has a CEO who does not uh, favor the workforce, uh, doesn't think much of the workforce, talks about dark state conspiracies and so forth. And we've got a board of directors in Congress uh, that can't make decisions. Total gridlock for many, many years, not just Trump, uh, but during Obama, during uh, George W. We, we have a very serious organizational problem, and your listeners will understand it for sure. Uh, weak CEO, confusing CEO, confusing board of directors, and so forth. Uh, my concern about uh, the millennials and Gen Zs is not that uh, they're uninterested in challenging work, uh, but that they're saying, well, you know, what do we make of the shutdown? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for loan repayment and so yeah. forth? And I wonder how to make the case that this is a good time to join government. And in fact, if these retirements occur by the baby boomers, it is a very good time to join government because we're going to see career paths that have been clogged with members of my generation starting to open up. Uh, and that's a good thing for people who are coming into government. But I'm worried about the uncertainty uh, and its effect on interest. Go to USA Jobs, which is the big federal government website. A lot of underloading of positions during the shutdown. Uh, a lot of concerns about whether these jobs are going to actually be, be filled by a president who's promoted uh, hiring freezes and is not always welcoming toward uh, federal employees more generally. Paul, let me ask you this. Because of the fact that this shutdown was uh, a month in length, uh, do you think, and, and this will probably have to be data that will will have to be gathered and, and studied here in, in the weeks and months to come, but do you think that we would potentially have seen a small percentage of people decide that enough was enough and I'm going to leave my, my my federal job because I'm able to gain something in the in the uh, in the in the uh, in the public sector where or I should say in the private sector where it is uh, it is perceived to be more secure well, Bill and I have seen a lot of this, a lot of reporting saying that uh, some feds are just going to throw it all down and leave. Um, I think that's a less likely scenario uh, than feds who are of retirement eligibility right. uh, saying it's, it's, it's time to go. This is a good time to go. I, I'm fed up with this. I don't want to do this. Uh, it's time for me to leave. Uh, I think we're going to see more retirements. We were seeing it. Before the case, uh, you know, we've been warning of a quiet crisis in the federal government since 1989. And there's nothing like a shutdown of this length, you know, a precedent-making uh, shutdown uh, to bring that quiet crisis to a roar. And I do think we're going to have a lot of exits, but I'm less uh, sure, uh, somewhat uh, doubtful, that the exodus is going to be of mid-level federal employees saying, I'm going to switch 
there may be some of that. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I do expect an increase in retirements over the next two years. That's Bill, going to be significant. Bill, your thoughts? Yeah, I do as well. There is evidence, uh, particularly with this administration, that there was a larger uh, exodus uh, f- uh, when the Trump administration came in uh, than previous uh, administration turnovers uh, from George W. Bush to Obama, Obama, uh, um, and so on and so forth. The point is, is that uh, it, it, the change, however, was marginal. And I'm not uh, as scared until after the 2020 election. Yeah. I think that a lot of these senior officials are, are quite tied uh, to the general mission of their organizations mm-hmm. and uh, have been offended uh, somewhat by the undermining of those missions and in particular agencies such as the EPA. And if you think of a senior executive servant, a career senior executive servant in the federal government, the average tenure for them is about 18 years. The average tenure for a political appointee is about two years. So they've ducked for cover in the past when they've had someone who is not aligned with the mission of the organization. The difference with this particular administration is that people are sent into organizations not just uh, who might not be aligned, but they're, they're there specifically to undermine the organization in total. And so I I believe that there are enough that are mission-oriented to want to try to stick around through the 2020 election to see if things can change so that they can keep the legacy that they've built within the organization. That that being said, I do think that we'll see marginal differences uh, from, uh, from past years, as Paul indicates. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, joined on the phone by Paul Light of NYU, Bill Resch of the University of Southern California. Again, your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. So, Paul, if, if we do see an exodus of retirements in the next two years, uh, I, I would imagine that ends up having a trickle-down effect within the government structure. Obviously, there would be promotions to, to fill some of those spots. Uh, but then again, that leaves the lower-level positions that still need to be filled. And then you're in a situation where, as you both have alluded to, that the interest may not be there from the millennials and the, and the Gen Zs out there. It's possible. Um, we're all blue-skying here uh, on these issues. But... Um, I'm pretty sure that the millennials and Gen Zs will be attracted to these kinds of jobs, not necessarily federal jobs specifically, but one of the things that comes through survey after survey, whether it's uh, surveys of college freshmen, surveys of uh, college graduates, so forth and so on, is that these are generations uh, that value the chance to make a difference. They want uh, challenging work. Uh, they want a decent uh, standard of living. They've got a lot of college debt. Um, and I'm not saying that my university has added uh, uh, all of it right. to the uh, the checkbook. But, you know, I, I like the millennial generation and Gen Zs for their commitment to public service. These are great jobs in the federal government. Yes, there's a lot of uncertainty, but they're very good jobs. Uh, you do get that chance to make a difference. It's sometimes very frustrating in terms of bureaucratic impediments, but I think there's a lot of interest. You know, we look at whether Americans think that a job in government is a good, whether government's a good place to work. That number has remained at 70% off and on over the decades 
from president to president, government is still seen as a good place to work, whether it's state, federal, local. And I think that there's energy out there among the millennials and Gen Zs uh, for federal careers. The question now is whether the federal government can craft a strong uh, message, get its job systems up to speed, get the hiring process down from 90 to 100 days on average uh, to a much quicker turnaround. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to be doing okay. But what is the message we send when the president says he doesn't think these are very important jobs, when you've got Wilbur Ross out there with clearly no clue as to how the world works for frontline employees? You know, we've got to deal with that. That's going to take a powerful message from somebody. And it may be a good time for young people to say, look, you know, I'm interested but show me the job. Tell me what I'm going to be doing. Challenge me. And I, I think that's what we're going to need to do. Bill? Well, what we've seen from past administrations, and this goes from liberal to conservative, is that uh, you know uh, administrations come in with uh, probably undue uh, distrust of the federal career um, service. Uh, but what happens typically is over time there is mutual accommodation uh, that's made uh, between the career service and the incoming political appointees uh, who represent the administration. Unfortunately, with this administration, we don't see that you know increased mutual understanding uh, between the administration and the career federal employees. Of uh, one part of this is that there are just simply uh, too many appointed positions that are left unfilled by the current administration. Yeah. And the president himself has said that he likes the flexibility of having acting officials as opposed to Senate-confirmed officials. Now, that might be a, a, a decent, short, very short-term strategy, uh, but this is a president who assumes that his uh, dictates are self-executing when really they're not, and and we're seeing them hung up in courts on a, on a regular basis, just simply because his leadership of these agencies do not have the capacity or um, institutional kind of uh, competence necessary to understand how administrative law works, how the agencies function on a day-to-day -day basis. And so until we get that mutual accommodation, I think that uh, the president will be short-sighted in terms of leadership uh, choices. And I don't believe that this accommodation or mutual kind of understanding between the career service and the administration is possible, uh, at least during this first administration and, frankly, hopefully only administration. Let me, let me ask you, Bill, quickly, and we've got about two minutes left, is a part of this story in terms of the shutdown has also been the impact on, uh, on the contract workers, the people that you know, are, are signed on by the government to do a specific task. Yeah. And, and we have heard stories about how the workers for those companies have really suffered, and they may not be able to make up that lost money because of how the contract lays out. But the contractor themselves, although they get delayed, they don't really feel an impact. And I don't think they are looking to step away because of the value of those particular contracts, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, well, plus, uh, most contracts are renewed. The um, uh, simple fact is, is that we don't have the capacity to properly oversee contracts. Right. And uh, there's a lot of sunk costs in choosing a given contractor. And so they're probably there to stay. 
that being said, I think that their employees are affected much more than the, the top brass of any given contracting firm. And, uh, and you're right, the employees are affected within these contracted firms, the employees are affected much worse than those of the federal government. Although we've yeah. seen the news, I mean, the federal government employees have also been inf- uh, affected right. incredibly trying to smooth consumption through, you know, uh, whether it be payday loans or, or uh, credit card balances or skipping their mortgage payment. But the fact is, is that uh, they're getting paid. They're going to yeah. get paid. Uh, a lot of these contractors will not. However, the administration has reversed something from the Obama administration saying that they would pay uh, some contractors uh, for work that was missed during the shutdown. However, that's a legal question that will be solved by the courts because that's basically taking the power of appropriations from Congress and using it through executive authority, which I think... Uh, they're going to have a tough a little fight. Yeah. yeah. Bill, Paul, thank you very much for your insight. Greatly appreciate both of you coming on the show. Delighted. Fantastic being with you. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.